Today, we get to welcome into membership a group of new members, and we get to witness a baptism of someone. I am ready for more of that all over the place. I am so grateful for how God continues to grow his family. We live in a day and age when people say, you know, the, the, the church is sort of done. Um, but again, we're witnessing here again the reality that God continues to grow his church. The reality of Jesus Christ is, is intellectually satisfying and existentially compelling. And so we are so grateful for how Jesus continues to address people's lives. We're going to witness the sacrament of baptism. It's a beautiful um, sacrament. Now, in the church we call sacraments, um, well, the earliest definition of a sacrament was this, an invisible, uh, a visible grace, a visible sign of an invisible grace. A visible sign of an invisible grace. So it speaks, it's a visible sign. We're going to use baptism. And it's not any holy water or anything like that. It's just right out of the tap. But it's a sign. It points to some bigger, beautiful reality that God is at work doing. And it's a seal. that We understand that it actually does something as well. Something actually is going on in this thing we call baptism. What is going on is that a person is united with Jesus Christ in, in a very real, tangible, but mysterious way. I don't know how to explain it. It is one of those mysteries of faith, but it is a reality in which a person is united with Jesus Christ. And so our identity becomes totally um, defined by Jesus Christ, by his death, by his resurrection. We are incorporated into the body of Christ, the church. We are cleansed. Water, of course, is a sign of cleansing. You shower with it. You do your dishes with it. It's a sign of how God cleanses us through the blood of Jesus Christ. It's a sign of the overflow of the Holy Spirit in our lives so we have a new power operating in our lives. It's a symbol of a new mission God gives to us. We're immersed into the mission of Jesus Christ, into his kingdom. It's this beautiful symbol that we are going to see. Tanisha Strawn is going to be baptized, but we're going to welcome into membership also a few others. Um, some of our Iranian friends, Omid Garabagi. And then a little bit later on, we're going to welcome also uh, Azita Hami, Amir Sachani, and their daughter, Anaita. But I'm not going to call you guys up first, but I'm going to call Tanisha and Omid to come up right now. Because they're going to share a little bit about their story. Come on up. Omid, why don't you start us off? Share a bit of your story. Well, good for somebody translatory. <laughs> so my name is Omid. So I wasn't born or grew up in a religion family. My story is, uh, I tried to write it down, how to, uh, I've been, or came to the, became to the Christianity, but when I, whatever I thought, I cannot kind of the one movie to cut to the small one. Uh, as I say, my family, uh, my religion family, I always had a problem with them about their believer, their God, and always argue with my dad. Uh, I couldn't believe about the God, about uh, how their God is something uh, 
I don't know how to translate to that one, to asking about uh, their mm. people to kill the other one. Mm. I don't trust that God than that. Mm, I can't believe that God. I always had this problem with my family, with the dad, with mother. So I moved to the Tehran and with one of my friend, brother friend who was a job had a curtain designer at, uh, at the home. He was working with the Christian family. And then I started work with him to install uh, this curtain. And then one day when we went to the job, to the what was Christianity home, he was working with them. When I went to home, kind, even when I thought about that uh, moment, I was shaking. Uh, I started to cry. Jesus Christ uh, sample or that cross. I was, before that one, I was empty of the fitness. And then my friend says, what's wrong? Can you help me? Uh, at that time, I think my Jesus uh, touched me. I didn't choose a, a Jesus. The Jesus chose me, mm-hmm. as in the Bible mm-hmm. says. So it took the time. So I, uh, with a friend, and he spoke, he understood about something happened in my soul about my spirit. And then he started to talk about Jesus. I said, hmm, I think this is the, that I'm looking for. Bi-weekly, weekly, every Thursday, we attended with some friend, about four or five friends with them. I couldn't believe it how the Jesus touched me, touched my heart. And then I followed the Jesus, and I continue to be as a Jesus Christ follower. That's, I said, that's... It's not for, for five minutes to explain my history about the, how to become it. I wish at the good, mil, good uh, time to a half an hour, 40 minutes, just from the start <laughs> to begin it to down. That's I wanted to share. Thank you. take some time to talk to Omid about the rest of the story, because it is a remarkable story of being a Christian in a country like Iran, where that is not always a uh, welcome thing, and uh, of some of the profound trials this man experienced as he pursued Jesus Christ. It's a beautiful story. Tanisha, good to see you. Good Share us you. your story. First of all, am I too short right now? Do I need to? Yeah, you can, you can adjust, adjust it. This? Okay. There we go. <laughs> Hi, I'm Tanisha. Um, I'm a creative. I enjoy acting, singing, dancing, sculpting, all that fun stuff. Um, I've lived here in Toronto for 13 years now with my mom and grandma who are here today. And yeah, welcome them. <laughs> Um, Yeah, I've been walking with God for three years, and 
man, he has been my light through all the ups and downs. Um, all my life I felt like I've had this public self who is strong and motivated and happy. Um, then there is my private self who is just weak and lost and lonely. I remember being three years old and just pondering the universe, wondering where it all came from. And I know that three is very young, but I was just thinking, what's the purpose? And I've been told I'm an old soul, so <laughs> there you go. And then as I got older, I started to recognize that other families looked different from mine, that they had brothers, sisters, fathers, all of which were missing from my life. And I figured that maybe this was the void that I was feeling. Carrying on, I continued to excel in school and have fun with friends, develop my talents. But once I hit adolescence, I became disillusioned because despite having all these things, I just still felt dissatisfied. And I asked uh, big questions like, what's the point of my life? Why am I not happy? And then I started to fill in the answers. There is no point. I'll never be happy. People would be better off without me. This is when I first met depression. I started isolating myself from friends and um, neglecting my work in school. For a fleeting moment, I found happiness again, drinking and partying, but of course this didn't last and left me feeling empty. Then after high school, having let my mark slip, I was guided to return to school and just boost up my average. And um, I actually started succeeding again. I, I started to feel like myself, like that strong, happy person that I presented to the world one day. But um, after school one day, everything had changed. It started to rain a little bit. Um, you know, there was a little bit of traffic and I was walking to the bus stop. All of a sudden, this big white SUV turns the corner and comes swerving towards me all over the road. And I was on the sidewalk. I tried to run out of the way, but next thing you know, I was hit. I just thought I was a goner. It was black and then dark. But then there was light and it wasn't just any kind of light. At the end of the tunnel, it was this shining, beaming light that just encapsulated me and comforted me. It was just powerful yet tender. And I know now that this was the presence of God. Then I woke up in shock, screaming, I'm alive, I'm alive. And this woman, <laughs> well, first of all, everyone else in the crowd was um, gathered around, panicked and afraid to come near me. Um, but then this one kind woman, she was around me, hugging me tight, holding an umbrella over me as it started to rain a little bit more. And she told me, my dear, everything's going to be okay. I saw you walking to school this morning and I saw this light around you protecting you. It was God's angels. And <laughs> at the time, I thought she was pretty crazy. But <laughs> in retrospect, I believe her wholeheartedly because I left that accident with no broken bones, no fractures, no head injuries, just you know, some pain in my hip, and that was intense pain, but it healed within weeks. And uh, I started to realize that this missing piece for my life had finally come, and I started to depend on God. And I'd like to say that this experience instantly changed my outlook on life, and my faith in God was unshakable, but this wasn't the case. My depression came back, and 
dropped me into the deepest despair of all. I believed the lies that I should not have survived. Um, I have no purpose here. God made a mistake. I'm a mistake. Yet, I was still drawn to the scriptures where I would read the Psalms and be given the words to express my sorrow to God. And at the end of lots of Psalms, there's an encouragement and a hope that you put your hope in the Lord despite your situation. So I continue to do just that. I also learned about Jesus from the scriptures, that he was and continues to be God with us. And I just wanted to know him more and I welcomed him into my life. And this would welcome much healing into my life. Healing from the pain I carried around from never knowing my father because I learned that in believing and knowing Jesus, I'll be able to know God the father and call him daddy. I learned of the cross and how Jesus suffered for me, died for me, and realized that my life is worth something. And um, through months of counseling and working through my depression and meditating on who Jesus is and what he's done for not only me, but the whole world, I, my depression just began to alleviate. And I just praise God that I haven't had a major episode of depression for over a year. And most of all, as I grew closer to God, all of my sin came into the light, and he still loved me. I could fully be myself with God, that strong, creative, happy person, and at times the lonely, ungrateful, depressed person. So Jesus has really been my light, because when I thought I had no worth, he showed me I had more worth than I could ever imagine. When I thought I was alone, he was there to comfort me. When I isolated myself from others, he pushed me to open up and taught me how to love. And he's been my light in the darkness and I'm ready to commit my life to the light of the world. I'll be reading Mark chapter 6, verses 30 to 44, followed by 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. Jesus feeds the 5,000. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked, go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to all the people to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks 
and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of men who had eaten, who had eaten was 5,000. Now 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7. For we live by faith, not by sight. It's 6.30. We've heard some beautiful testimonies already. You don't need me to preach. We heard the word preach through those beautiful testimonies already. So here's all I want to say to you. You know, we were going to preach on, I was going to preach on Mark, that beautiful miracle passage, which we began this whole campaign with as we look to, to, to Jesus to do a miracle like that. What I love about that miracle is, is how Jesus involves the disciples in it. It was for the disciples, for the growth of their faith. This whole campaign we said is about our faith growing, developing, us becoming mature disciples. All I want to say this morning to you, uh, this evening to you, is, you know, we have called you to deeper levels of devotion to Jesus Christ. We have asked you to do challenging things. We have said sacrifice is sort of a normal way of living for the kingdom of God, for Christians. Um, we have asked you to give generously. And all I want to say to you tonight is you are not crazy for doing that. You are not crazy because Jesus Christ, the King, is the only one worthy of that level of sacrifice and devotion and generosity. He is the one who is worthy. It, I bet there are some times where you think, oh man, this, this is a little nutty. Maybe others and around you or your culture might think that sort of devotion is really crazy. I want to tell you that is not crazy. That is that's life in the kingdom. And I invite you to step deeper into that way of kingdom living tonight, friends. It is the way of Jesus. And Jesus takes whatever you bring. That's what I love about there's four verbs. Jesus takes whatever we bring, which could include any gifts we have, any resources we have. But it can include also your lack of faith, right? Maybe some of you have thought, oh man, this campaign, why are we even doing this? I'm skeptical, I'm cynical about it. Jesus will receive even your cynicism, your skepticism, and he'll do something with it. He takes it, he blesses it. God blesses each one of you and all that we bring. He is grateful, he is thankful for all that we offer. He breaks it. He breaks it because these gifts are just externals. He's trying to get to the inside, the heart. And then he gives it back. Whatever we give to Jesus, he mixes with his, in his hands, in his resurrected hands, something happens and he gives it back and it's more, it's bigger, it's filled with his resurrection life. That's the beauty of this rhythm of grace that Jesus invites us into.